Welcome to Room for Growth, a Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher. Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started, there's plenty of room to grow. Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's f***ing grow. All right. Hey, everybody. We are pumped up for today because, Billy, we were at a conference in Chicago. I don't know. It was like in May. So almost a year ago, maybe. And it was a CRMC. So it was a, a conference filled with um, CRM marketers, loyalty marketers. And there were tons of great brands there. And I was like walking around, you know, you're doing that like weird thing where you're like glancing at people's badges, which is, you know, just normal conference behavior. And I saw Delta. And, you know, we're, we're not shy about our love for Delta here. And I kind of fanboyed for a minute and, and approached our guest today, Courtney, and just forgot that I was at like a business conference for a second. It was just like talking about how much I love the Delta to Sky Miles program. I was like asking for tips and and how to continue to play that game. And uh, fast forward to now, we've somehow convinced her to come onto the podcast and talk about loyalty marketing. So really excited about today. Yeah. Courtney Bradley is the general manager of SkyMiles Engagement and Growth. So she sits at this real intersection of the customer experience on Delta, everything from the lounge experience to the in-flight experience and while you're waiting for your flight to marketing, what channels are used to engage these folks. And then of course, into loyalty strategy, that's the core of what she does, but also the technology that underlies how you build those experiences. So interesting. One of the most interesting things that I think she said is that the average person in the million mile club, meaning they've flown a million miles on Delta, that takes 22 years to achieve. But it's this really big achievement that Delta wants to certainly recognize. And I just try to think about like what I was doing 22 years ago. <laughs> That's a lot of data to track on a yeah. single user. That's such a hard accomplishment from a logistics perspective, like as a marketer, it's very hard to figure out how do we make sure we know who our customers are, what they've been doing for the past 22 plus years to the point of accuracy that we can say you have flown a million miles with our brand. Like, wow, that's just, you're differently built when that's what you're doing. Yeah. And it's definitely a unique program and it's a unique offering that they have. But one of the reasons we talk about it so much on the podcast and something that I'll encourage if, if you're listening to like think about as Courtney's sharing some of these items that they're working on is I think there's a lot of applicable things to whether you're in a, a consumer retail brand, a QSR brand. There are so many learnings that a best in class program like Delta that you could apply. And I think it would be easy to say, oh, well, that's travel. They can give away free tickets. But you, there's so much to learn from how Delta's built out their loyalty program and the things that they're kind of continuing to innovate on today when it comes to loyalty marketing. Yeah, definitely. I think my big takeaway from her was like, take moments of joy and amplify them and take moments of friction and reduce them. And if you're going to use channels like push and SMS, how do you use those channels to do yeah. those two things exclusively? Like that's how you build delight into your lifecycle marketing. So yeah, super interesting. I think we should just yeah. get to our guest because as Billy mentioned, we have talked about Delta a lot. This almost needs no intro. Hi. 
Hi, Courtney. Welcome to Room for Growth. Our listeners already know that we are huge Delta loyalists. Billy and I basically fight over who is the most loyal to Delta. And we talk about Delta all the time on this podcast. We love the marketing experience. We love the app. But of course, we fly a lot. So we also know the loyalty program well. So we are super excited to get just your perspective on everything that goes into creating such a good experience. But before joining Delta in Atlanta, you were living in another place that I lived in Oregon and working for, you know, that small Oregon brand, Nike, and before Nike, Virgin Airlines and JetBlue. So first question for you, um, all of these brands, but especially Nike and Delta share an almost sort of cult-like brand loyalty. What do you think are the challenges that are similar or different in retail versus in airlines, especially when you're dealing with kind of these cult fan bases who have huge expectations of, of the quality that the brand brings them? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that sometimes can people can lose sight of is the fact that at the end of the day, you're fighting for the same share of wallet. And so whether you're buying a new pair of sneakers or whether you're booking a plane ticket, especially like in this economy everyone is fighting for the same share of wallet. And so that's one thing that I think is similar, regardless of what industry you're in. But I think the one thing that's been a little bit different and been an adjustment from Nike to Delta is just the age of the customer base. I think we all generally know Gen Z is a really strong consumer base, and we're seeing that consumer base get a lot younger. However, in travel, I don't exactly know the right terminology to use, but travel kind of has a longer, for lack of a better word, runway. So you have folks who are traveling later in life. And so we are at Delta kind of figuring out how do we reconcile with that? We see, you know, more than 50% of the folks who are joining our program are millennials and our college students. But then we also have a really long tail of folks who are older in life, they're at an older stage, they're retired. And so that's been one of the adjustments that's been interesting for me, because at a place like Nike, they are kind of fully focused on that younger consumer. Whereas at Delta, we're having to do a bit more balancing of like who that consumer segment is, knowing that young folks are coming in and joining the program. But how do we balance those two age demographics? Courtney, it's really interesting. Customer segmentation is something that we're thinking about and talking about all the time. And it's not always easy to do. And there's a, the right set of platforms. Can you expand a little bit on your view of how you, especially when you're talking to so many different customer types at the most basic level, how you do that? So I joined Delta about a year, probably like 14 months ago. And so we're totally rethinking how we talk to our customer base and how we talk to those segments because you've kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, you have not even from an age demographic perspective, but how you engage with the Sky Miles program. We're looking at the Sky Miles program in a completely different way, probably for the last kind of year plus coming out of COVID. And so it's not only, you know, just demographics. How are we speaking to folks and how are we segmenting them, but how are they behaving? Are they solely flying or are they linking with our new Starbucks partnership? Are they linking with our Lyft partnership? Are they a co-brand card member? What are all of these kind of aspects of engagement within the program. And we really use that data to then inform how we speak to folks. And then also the other piece of that is how do we also use that to then drive the behaviors that we want to see within those certain demographics. So if we see folks that are only flying, aren't really engaging with our partners, what are those things that we can do to really drive that behavior that we want to see long-term? And how are we measuring that long-term? I think that's something that we're thinking about in a different way than's ever really been thought of before. What is it about the Delta brand and the, the Sky Miles program 
that creates this brand loyalty when compared to uh, your competitors? I will probably sound like a broken record by the end of this, but the one thing and coming in, you know, relatively new coming in post pandemic, the one thing that has far and away been the biggest passion point, not only for us in Sky Miles, but just across the enterprise is the focus on the customer. And that is just so ingrained in every fabric of this company. I really cannot express to you how important it is to put the customer first. And we do that in a lot of different ways. It almost becomes an obsession of how are we making sure this is customer friendly? How are we making sure this either sounds human or feels human? takes a point of friction away. It really is in every weave of fabric of this company. And I think the other thing that allows us to be so customer obsessed is this other obsession on operational excellence. And that's kind of the unique thing about the airline industry where you don't really have to think about it in other industries is, are we getting people to their destination safely? Are we getting them there on time? Are we getting them there with all their bags? And so because as an airline, we have really excelled in the operation. Um, we are able to kind of really put that focus on the customer, do some fun and cool things, try out some different stuff because folks know, you know, when they fly Delta, they will get to their destination safely on time with their bags. And, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, have a great experience coming out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. What are the, some of the, the benefits of the Sky Miles program that, that members tend to value the most? Yeah. I mean, you can probably guess. It depends, right? So you talk about our medallions. So for those who don't know, our medallions are our elite tier of status. So we have tiers, you guys I know are well aware, but for the folks who might be listening that aren't as familiar, we have tiers from silver all the way to diamond. So we have silver, gold, platinum, and diamond. So for folks who are traveling super frequently for our medallions, for our corporate travelers, a lot of that is upgrades. A lot of that is just like general removal of friction from the travel process, things of that nature. How can they continue to keep status? Those are the things that we really hear from that group of people. But then for folks who are less frequent travelers, how does SkyMiles drive value for them? Is it the co-brand credit card? Is it the partnership with Starbucks? How are we ensuring that we are driving value at every touch point, every interaction with our SkyMiles members? And I just kind of mentioned it, but one of those examples is the Starbucks partnership that we just launched. I mean, that's a great example of folks are buying coffee at Starbucks every day. How can we create value out of that transaction, out of something that you're doing every day? I mean, you know, you buy a coffee once, those miles that you earn on that coffee purchase aren't going to get you to Tahiti or to, you know, Edinburgh. But as you do it more often, and as you can communicate that value back to the customer, especially for those less frequent travelers, that's something that we've really seen, especially in customer feedback that they really value. You kind of hinted at this when you talked about the complexity of different ways that you could be segmenting your customers, who you could be prioritizing in terms of messaging. Like, There's just so many ways to cut both measurement of success and then who you focus on in terms of driving additional value from a very like measured perspective. I'm curious what the most important measurable KPIs are for you in terms of tracking the growth and the success of the Sky Miles program. Like what metrics are you watching every day? And then how do you gauge whether something is working, especially in an airline game where, where the long-term value of a customer sort of has to play out over any single like pricing decision? Yeah. And that's a fun question because it's really complex. And that's why part of the reason why at least I've kind of returned to the airline industry after going off and doing a couple different things is because of that complexity. And so we look at things like, you know, your standard 
growth marketing metrics, I guess you could call them. We look at acquisition and acquisition quality by channel. We're looking at those things on pretty much a daily and weekly basis. Um, Looking at engagement, where are folks engaging? And I kind of alluded to this earlier, but do we have folks spending and acquiring on the co-brand card? Do we have folks engaging with the Lyft and the Starbucks and the Instacart partnerships? How are we measuring that consistently as a threat over time? But then the other huge piece of it are these operational metrics that we have to make sure that we're holding accountable to as well, because at the end of the day, it's all one customer experience. So are folks getting to their destinations on time? Are we having cancellations? Are we having delays? What does member NPS look like? How are folks enjoying both the onboard experience, but also the experience in the Delta Sky Clubs in the experience of just the general program within our digital channels? So it's really a combination of all of those factors. But I think the interesting thing, especially about the airline industry, is the operation plays such a huge piece of that. And luckily, we have amazing frontline employees who do such a great job day in and day out. And so that makes our jobs easier. But yeah, that's generally, as far as metrics go, that's really where we're kind of tracking the most. Yeah, it's easy to like look at a loyalty program and only analyze these things on the surface. Like, what are the benefits? What are the point structures? But then when you start to experience these things, you're right. As, as you're talking, I'm thinking about all the experiences we've had. Billy even shared one where she like sat down and received a handwritten note from a flight attendant. And activating those types of things are really, really hard. And Delta is one of the ones that do it the best. I, I often am kind of shocked. I've said this before, like, why aren't restaurants ripping off some of these ideas? Like, why are, is every restaurant just using a earn and burn type of loyalty program? Like, why aren't they just copying some of these best in, in class experiences? And I think that's the reason because operationally, it's really hard to actually pull off, especially when you have high churn type of employees and in different industries. So it's really impressive to move on to kind of a, a different topic. One of the things Billy and I have experienced a lot in the past year, it seems like it's been a trend, is old loyalty programs or brands that have had a loyalty program that's been activated and, and moving. It's getting stale and a brand wants to figure out how to revitalize or maybe even completely make dramatic adjustments to how the, the whole entire program is structured. And you got to be really careful in how you do about, uh, that because um, yeah, it upsets people. It, it changes tough. Do you have any advice for a, a brand that is out there thinking, okay, we're going to adjust our program. We need to try something new of just steps that they can follow and, and, and uh, go through in order to, to minimize that friction? It's funny you asked that question because we just went through it in the fall. We changed some of our qualification thresholds for medallion tiers. And so that was a massive project that we undertook because kind of what I mentioned earlier, at the end of the day, it really does all come back to customer satisfaction and making sure that customers feel like, A, we're speaking to them in a human way and they're understanding why we're making these changes. And so when we made the announcements back in October, that was kind of the first thing that we had done as a team. We started you know, within the SkyMiles team, but I think one of the big things too was just like early and often communication with our cross-functional stakeholders because it's not just us within loyalty that needs to know about these changes. It's and not just marketing and not just corporate communications, but it's the front line because if you're sitting in the Sky Club or if you're sitting on the plane and you have questions about these changes, they need to know what's going on too. Or if you're calling our reservations call centers, they need to know what's going on too. And so I think the biggest thing or one of the big things was just early and often communication with our cross-functional stakeholders, making sure that everyone understood why we were making these changes. And 
and what was going to be the end result of these changes. I think that was one thing that was really important for us. I think the other thing too was when we knew that this was going to happen, the first thing we did was we reached out to some of our medallion members, to some of our base members and talked to them about these are, hey, these are the proposed changes that we're making, or these are the things that we're thinking about. How do you feel about them? Do you feel like it's clear? Do you feel like you understand what's going on? And so we really do, like at every step of that journey, we looked back at that customer feedback and just made sure that we were staying true to what our customers and our members said to us, because I truly cannot understate the importance of making sure that that communication felt human, it felt clear. And, you know, sometimes we don't always get it right. But what I really like about our leadership team here too, is like, nobody is afraid to just raise their hand or ask the question and say, hey, can this be a little bit more human? Can this be a little bit more clear? And so we have a really good environment, especially within our department of just asking that question in a way where there's really no ego. There's nothing behind it. It's really just like, hey, we're trying to do the best for the customer at the end of the day. And so that was one thing that I really appreciated from our leadership team because that was the first time I had really gone through a big change like that. And so that was a really incredible part of that whole process. And I would say the other thing, again, like our frontline employees and our corporate teams who work with our frontline employees did just an incredible job with educating and ensuring that those folks knew what was going on and why. Um, Because really, at the end of the day, that's who you all interact with probably first before you talk to somebody like me or you talk to somebody in corpcom or marketing. So Courtney, I think Delta, I'm going to switch from loyalty just a little bit into lifecycle marketing. I think Delta is one of the best players in the game when it comes to lifecycle messaging that's done right, where it's really intended to just delight users and be a companion component of the experience that they're having with the brand that is meant to like delight and add to that experience in a way that's just so unique still, especially among channels like push and SMS and email. So I think the best example of this is if you are getting ready for a Delta flight, Delta will remind you that you need to be at the airport soon or that your flight's still on time. They'll remind you of like boarding time versus takeoff time. Once you get to the airport, they'll remind you where your gate is. They will let you know when your flight's about to board and you actually need to be at that gate. And then there's the ever famous, my most epitomized like life cycle message that I put out to my teams where I'm like, what is your client's version of this message? And it's when you find out that your bag has been loaded on the plane. Like none of those messages have to be sent. None of them upsell anything. None of them necessarily drive revenue for Delta but they are all so delightful to that travel experience. I'm really curious how this strategy came into existence and what sorts of conversation culture strategy happens inside Delta to make this possible while so many other organizations continue to find any use case for these channels other than just spam. It's so funny that you use the word delight because I feel like I like preceded that with you guys because that's what we call it internally. A lot of times we strive for these moments of delight. And so I have to give a shout out to our customer experience team because a lot of that work is either starting with them or in close partnership with those folks. And so they just do a, a really incredible job of synthesizing what is the piece of the customer journey. We call it the travel ribbon. What is that piece that we're really trying to get after? And what is that point of friction that we're trying to remove? And so I have to give a shout out to them because you know they're great partners to us. And I think the one thing that we have all really realized post-pandemic is that our SkyMiles members are the most important to 
Delta as an enterprise. And if everyone could be a SkyMiles member, that would be the most amazing thing, right? And so we really have done an intentional job of partnering with our customer experience team just to really make sure that that experience for our SkyMiles members is elevated and creates that moment of delight. But again, it goes back to that member feedback. I think that particular example I wasn't here for, but a lot of the stuff that happens like that, it comes from direct customer feedback of like, hey, this would be a really cool thing if you did this. Another example of that is our Million Miler Recognition Program. So if you reach 1 million flown miles on Delta, you are a million miler. So we have someone who just reached 14 million miles, which is insane. But generally, it's taking folks about 22 years to reach that 1 million mile threshold. And so once we were kind of in the clear out of the pandemic, our team took a refreshed look at our million miler recognition program. So if you reach a million miles or two or three or four million miles, you receive not only a letter from Ed Bastian, but you receive a gift menu of your choosing that you get to choose the gift that is going to be delivered to your home. And then on top of that, we've also worked with our customer experience team on, hey, can in-flight or airports, can they recognize these folks when they are have either if they're on their first million flight, let's recognize them for that. And so that's been done in close partnership with our customer experience team. And that is something that is such a huge milestone for so many folks. And so that's another great example of like, hey, how do we make this moment really, really special? The gentleman that just reached 14 million miles, he actually hit 14 million miles on his birthday. And so we just got an email with like all of the celebrations he was flying from Europe back to California. And so we just got these amazing videos of our airport crew members, of our in-flight crew members, not only celebrating his birthday, but also celebrating this major milestone for him. He was the first one in Delta history to do it. So it's little things like that, but it really just does come back to like making people feel good. Travel can be really stressful sometimes, especially post-pandemic. I feel like a lot of times people don't even know what's going on still. Um, and so just how do you, you know, partner with your internal teams that can help you out? And like, this is so trite, but my favorite motto is like a rising tide does lift all ships. And like, that is something that we really try to emulate here. And I think that that lends itself to these really awesome customer experiences that we're super proud of. Yeah, I think the other one, and that is just if you get your flight upgraded, there's this nice moment where you receive the text, like letting you know that your flight's been upgraded. But when you click on it, there's a whole color change that happens even in like Apple Wallet for your boarding pass or in the app where the color changes from like a blue to a red or whatever the tone is. Yeah, just the thoughtfulness of all of these things together is so impressive. And then the thing I always think about in airports when I'm in them, maybe this is just my marketer brain, but it's not easy to personalize in this way. It's not easy to make sure that there's a backend database that says this individual who's flown this many miles, that's a cumulative number, who's at this airport, who's on this flight is getting X and it has to happen at exactly this time. We're talking like minute to minute accuracy. For people who don't work in data and in technology, that may seem like it should be easy, but that's a lot of different sources of data working together in almost perfect harmony to achieve just this relatively simple use case. Add on a suitcase getting loaded on a plane. That's a scan somewhere that has to... like It's so much. There's so many rules that just go into how you automate this. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about your current marketing tech stack. So what are you all using for data management and CRM and analytics? 
it's funny to hear you kind of talk about it in that way. Um, cause you have to remember the sky mouse program was founded in, I think 1980, 1981. So, and a lot of the systems that we're working on are intentionally proprietary systems. So we built the technology ourselves and we built the technology purposely for us. And so one of the big priorities for us, you know, it's amazing to hear you say that it sounds like it's doing its job and it's all coordinating together, but there's even more focus now that we're kind of coming into a place where things are moving into like relatively normal operations. How do we do a better, even better job of optimizing and orchestrating all of those different components and all of those different data systems? Because you're right, they all kind of live in siloed places. And so the priority over the next year is really bridging the gaps where they exist on those both customer-facing and internal data sources and just making sure that they're all working in harmony. But it happens in step changes, right? I mean, it's not all happening at once. And so we have some work that'll be happening to optimize our CDP and to work on doing an even better job of linking all those data sources together within our CDP. So that's our big priority over the next year. And then really just doing a better job of making sure that those tools are staying as in real time as possible, because that's what makes it all work. And that's what makes it easy for our frontline employees to do the amazing jobs that they do. Yeah, super interesting. When people say proprietary stack, there are some brands out there right now listening who are like, see, I said that we should build our own tools because then you can have this amazing experience. Like just a warning, that's usually not true. We do not recommend that anybody build a proprietary customer data platform because it's so hard to build. It's so hard to maintain. There's a lot of lift that goes into these different use cases. So kudos to y'all. That takes a huge focus and it makes sense given the fact that you need to know from 22 years. Yeah. And it's not all roses, right? I mean, especially, I feel like I've talked about the pandemic a lot, but it was a huge turning moment for the company. You've had a lot of folks who have transitioned in and out over the pandemic. And so you have folks like me who are relatively new, who aren't totally used to working with these systems. And so it isn't all roses, right? We're all kind of figuring it out together. But I do think that like at the end of the day, together is the most important part of that sentence. And so that empathy and that understanding is really, really important for kind of all of us, not only within loyalty, but across CX and across the front line as well. And a use case for that is you just talked about how you have a milestone that takes the average flyer 22 years to achieve. Tracking something for 22 years means you have outlived any technology stack (laughs) that you started with. And how important and how dedicated do you really have to be to say, we're going to make sure that the data about our customers stays so accurate over a huge time horizon that we can leverage it. Like Even that is just something I don't see very many brands doing today. Yeah. And it's a journey. Like The biggest lie that is told in sales room uh, conversations is like, you implement this and it integrates with everything and no worries, it's going to be easy. And, and that's anybody that's gone through a CDP or CRM implementation knows that that's just not the case. It's a a journey of continued improvement and Delta, whatever the math is since the eighties has been, it sounds like been on that, that journey. So we did a predictions episode not too long ago. You know, what, what do we think is going to be hot in 2023? And one of the ones that we mentioned is, has kind of been a repeated one that has been happening and you've referenced it a couple of times, brand partnerships. And I think that you guys out on the forefront of, of loyalty marketing with brand partnerships with Starbucks, where a SkyMiles member can earn one mile per every dollar spent at Starbucks. 
You mentioned the Instacart as well. I predicted and, and think that this will start to trickle down into, you know, uh, brands that maybe are not as sophisticated or large as Delta for those types of brands, maybe a midsize brand and food service or a midsize grocery brand, any learnings that you could share of how to approach these brand partnerships, some of the challenges or some of the positives? Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of really good momentum with our partnerships. Um, And I think the reason why is because generally, unless you are a corporate traveler or unless you are someone who flies super frequently, you're not experiencing Delta as a brand from a plane or from like the typical experience of a customer. And so how do we create these extensions of our brand into other areas that make sense for our customer base and for our members and also provide value back to them? Because I think the other thing that's unique about brand partnerships from the perspective of a program that has a currency is like there needs to be some sort of value exchange there. And so our partnerships team has done an amazing job really mapping over kind of like, what is our customer base with what is your customer base? Does it match up? Does it make sense? And can we provide the value that we know our customers want? And so I think as we're kind of on this journey to elevate what SkyMiles means as a loyalty program, and what does that mean outside of just the airline industry? I think, you know, our partnerships like Starbucks, our partnerships like Lyft have been really good ones in the way of just providing that everyday value for folks so that the hope is even if you're not flying on a plane, you know, you're still thinking, oh, I'm going to earn my Sky Miles when I buy this coffee or when I take this ride and things like that. And so I think that's what's worked really well for us. For me personally, and this is like not a Delta point of view, this is a Courtney point of view, is like there has to be some sort of value exchange there that kind of makes sense. And so I think when you have programs that have a currency, it's just an easier kind of connection to make for folks. I think it gets a little tougher when you don't have that currency or there's not that direct value exchange. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in how to drive authentic engagement with consumers since joining Delta that might be different from what you learned at Nike? And then what do you think are some of those like core tenants that just always apply? I think the one thing I've learned at Delta that was a little bit different from Nike, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, is I do think that there is something to younger consumer groups and older consumer groups and just their expectations and what they value. And I think that that's something... You know, I knew it, but I hadn't had to worry about it for a while because at Nike, we were just so focused on this younger consumer base. And so I think the one thing at Delta is just really honing in on what it is that people want. And we do a lot of that through customer feedback. And so not just like surveys, but we also do go out and talk to medallions. We talk to general members about what they want from the program. And we are kind of... And the reason why I brought it up earlier is because we are kind of seeing that delineation by age. And I think that that's one of the things that's been an adjustment for me of like connecting authentically is the way that you do that, right? For millennials and Gen Z, social media is like a huge way to communicate with folks. But then if you think about older generations, they appreciate they're more tied to email, they're more tied to direct mail, things of that nature. And so even from like a channel perspective and how people want to be spoken to, which like this is like life advice too, right? It's like you really just have to kind of understand where those trends are and where those nuances are and just make sure you're speaking to people in the way that they want to be spoken to. Yeah, that's like personalization tip number one speak to people the way at the time and in the language they want to be spoken to. And that's like half the battle. 
Yeah, exactly. It's been a bit of a mind shift. I think when I got to Delta, just because like you do have that longer tail of customers who are flying for longer periods of time, who are flying later in life. And so that I think has been one thing for us to think about as we talk about channel optimization and we talk about the different ways that we want to evangelize the program. It's just, it's something that's like part of the reality of working with a customer base that's so large and so diverse. Awesome. So having a, a Delta American Express card is obviously a big part of the program and, and uh, a great way to move along those tiers that you mentioned. And it's funny, I recently just, I was at LaGuardia and, and got convinced to upgrade oh, my nice. credit card. Uh, so they got me, but you know, <laughs> I, was, I was sold on the benefits. This is a different style of, of marketing kind of, and I'm just curious how you market to and how the approach is different to the, the cohort of cardholders and, and maybe how that, that approach is a little different from somebody that maybe is not a cardholder. Yeah. I mean, we should get you, we'll get you over here. You can come like sell some credit cards for us. But no, I mean, it is card members see a different side of the program. I think than one that is just a general member in the program, because we do generally find that they are more engaged. And I think it's because that value exchange is a little bit more obvious to those folks, because it's not just about the miles. It's also about the benefits that you get on top of being a card member. And so I think the experience becomes a little bit more robust and the story around SkyMiles becomes a little bit more robust of like what you can get and what your experience can be. And so I think there's a lot of things that we talk about with our card members. I don't know if I would say there's a lot more, but I do think that the, it provides a bit more interest and a bit more detail as far as how you can experience the program. Um, and so we do, we work really closely with our co-brand team on not only driving acquisitions, which are super important, but also with driving engagement. And then also how do you bring those folks in and along the journey with you of not just, okay, I'm a Delta Sky Miles card holder, card member, but how do I also get engaged in all these other ways and really get the most out of this program? And so one of the things that we just launched actually, I think probably last month was, Takeoff 15, which is a new benefit for our gold, platinum, and reserve card members. And so you get a 15% discount on award flights for having that card. And so I think that's one of the things, and you may see more of this coming of just like, how do we really differentiate that experience for our card members and really give them the value that they want to see? Because, you know, it was something I think that we had heard for a while. Again, it all comes back to member feedback, but it's just something that we had heard for a while and really wanted to kind of differentiate that experience. So Takeoff 15 was like the first real time that we had done that. But, you know, I think you'll see more of that in the future. Courtney, I'm hungry to just get a little perspective on what your day-to-day is like. Will you walk us through a day in the life sort of work day for you? What's a typical work day like? And I'm guessing no day is typical or too similar. But then also, I think my second question is, what are some of the biggest challenges that you are tackling right now? Yeah. Well, I won't walk you through today because today was back-to-back meetings, but it's a lot. I think the cool thing that I have always loved about working in loyalty in general is just the cross-functional nature of it. I mean, I today had a meeting about what we're doing in the airport and what that airport experience of the future is going to look like. And then had a meeting later today with my team about how we're driving more card member engagement and how we're syncing up those journeys of both SkyMiles members and card members. And so when I think about what a typical day looks like, I mean, there really isn't one, but you know, a lot of ensuring that we're communicating with 
our cross-functional teams and with the internal teams that we work with and just making sure that like as they're going through their day and as they're going through the projects that they're working on, that SkyMiles members are just top of mind for them. And so we work really, I've mentioned it before, but we work a lot in close partnership with our customer experience teams, with our frontline teams, just making sure that they have kind of the latest and greatest of what's going on in the program and that they feel like our frontline employees know what's going on too, because it's not just in those moments where there's a big announcement. It's kind of just the day-to-day. The SkyMiles program is really complex and there are a lot of questions around it. And so there's a lot of work that we do with our frontline employees and just making sure that they are educated on what's going on. And then then we'll go across the street and we'll talk to customer experience about, hey, what are you guys thinking both you know, in flight, in the airport, and just more generally within our digital channels? How is SkyMiles a part of that? Or is it not? How can we make SkyMiles members a part of that? And so it's a lot of triangulating and then connecting dots with folks, which I think is fun. I'm a people person. And so it's just fun for me to work with a lot of different people. But I would, yeah, I wouldn't say there's like one particular type of day. But yeah, that's like a lot of it. What are your biggest problems right now? What are the prickly pears that just every night you're like, ugh, I could, how do I solve this one? I think as we take a step back, and I, I have to give credit to our SVP, Dwight James. He's led an amazing vision for us that I think we're all really excited about. But at the same time, it's also challenging us to rethink how we think about loyalty and how we think about the program overall. And so, I mean... For me, it's a fun problem, uh, but it is something that like, are we really pushing the boundary enough? But are we making sure that we're like keeping the program integrity the same? How do we make sure that we're talking to people in the most compelling way possible? Things of that nature. And so as we rethink the program, those are kind of the things that I'm thinking a lot more about now in my day to day. And then also just ensuring that we're connecting back with all of our cross-functional teams that are so important to us and do such a great job and just making sure that they're coming along the ride with us and they feel like they're brought in. I think that's one of the biggest challenges, especially in an enterprise that's so big with so many different teams. I think that's one of the biggest challenges for us. Courtney, as somebody who loves to travel and who also works for an airline brand, what is your favorite place that you've been to? And what is next on your bucket list? Those are like, probably the hardest questions you've asked me all day. I would say, I'll give you two top two are Vietnam and Morocco. And like largely for the same reason, my sister and I went to Vietnam, we travel a lot together, my sister and I, um, we actually did Vietnam and Morocco together. Um, And the people in both places were just like so welcoming and just like so caring. And we're really concerned about making sure that we were having a good time, that we had a good time in their country. And so yeah, Vietnam and Morocco far and away are two of my favorites. And also the food in both spots while very different is just like undefeated. It's so good. So yeah, I would say those are like my top two. Bucket list is really hard. I think the two big ones on there right now are probably Japan and Japan just like reopened a couple months ago. So I'm excited about that. And then South Africa is another one that's on my list. Those are awesome. Vietnam is also one of my favorites. Morocco is on my bucket list and I've done Japan and South Africa. Yeah. We're getting very close to South Africa. I'm going to Charlottesville, Virginia in like a couple weeks. So, you know, we're really... (laughs) Yeah, you're you're really close. It's basically a safari here as well in Charlottesville. Right. It's just like only a couple thousand miles the other way. Also a nice place though. Yeah. I heard it's lovely. (laughs) I'm excited. 
Yeah, definitely. We'll have to show you the wineries. Yeah, <laughs> Phil's pretty well known for wineries. But yeah, those are great recommendations. Curious, where did you go in Vietnam? That's like one of my most favorite places. We did uh, Saigon and then we went up to Hoi An and then we did, it was actually like a Southeast Asia tour, but we spent most of the time in Vietnam. So we did Saigon, Hoi An, and then down to Phu Wok, which is like one of the islands. And then we went over to Cambodia, then we went to Thailand and then eventually decided to go home. So Oh my gosh. Wow. I love it. Hoi An for people who have never been to Vietnam. Hoi An is like this beautiful little like French inspired former colonial like village. It's a very small town, but it's so picturesque. It's the place that just has lanterns hanging between the sort of cobblestone streets. And you can like walk through these beautiful storefronts and there's a lot of shopping and handicrafts and like French inspired cuisine and like beautiful, beautiful beaches and rice patties and farmland. It is a dream of being there still today. Yeah, it was amazing. Awesome. Well, Courtney, we have talked about loyalty a ton today and we've not been shy about our, our Delta crush. Um, <laughs> but we do ask every one of our guests, uh, I think that Billy refers to it as to talk positive trash about a brand they love. So, And it's just fun to, to hear about different brands that people are loyal to and, and why. So who are you loyal to and, and why? So this is kind of unconventional. And I I told you guys, like I had, I was talking to my team today. I'm like, guys, does it sound like cool enough? But one brand that I really love is, I really love what Rihanna's done with Fenty. I think as a woman, we're in Women's History Month right now. Last month was Black History Month. And being a woman in a male-dominated industry, it's always really fun for me to see what women are doing with their own companies and just seeing them shine. And I think especially with Fenty, not only has she done an amazing job from a marketing perspective, but it's also just the ethos of both Fenty Beauty and Savage by Fenty is just, I love it. And I love the fact that she's driving inclusivity and she's making people think differently about beauty and think differently about activewear and loungewear and things like that. I mean, she also got the Super Bowl to advertise for her, which people pay millions and millions of dollars to do that. (laughs) And so that was one as I was kind of thinking a little bit more about it, because I've listened to some episodes and I've heard, you know, some great examples. That was one where I was like, yeah, I really, I really love what she's done there with Fenty. Yeah, she like changed the game basically for all makeup companies because she was one of the first brands to say, I'm going to create foundation in so many shades that for many women, it was the first time they could just pick their shade off of a shelf, especially darker skinned black women. And then every makeup company had to turn and be like, oh, that makes money. Interesting. I guess we are going to do that. But then the way that she is so body inclusive in everything that she does, really incredible. She's a queen. Rihanna, if you're listening, I love you. Come on the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hope Rihanna is listening. <laughs> yeah, come talk to these guys. They're pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Courtney, well, we've been looking forward to this uh, discussion for quite some time. We appreciate you giving us uh, uh, your time in the midst of the back-to-back uh, meetings and, and solving some pretty tough challenges. So again, we look forward to seeing what comes from Delta in, in the future and, and seeing what you're up to. So thanks for giving us the time today. Yeah, thank you guys. It was great chatting with you. Definitely. Definitely. 